I want you to imagine a church. Imagine a church family. Imagine a community. I want you to imagine a church made, of, made up of people who know what it is to hear from God and are quick to respond to him. Sometimes in amazing and jaw-dropping ways, like the heavens open and God's voice just booms out and he's like, wow, I can't believe that you did it. Or just a spontaneous, God is clearly speaking. But sometimes just in the day-to-day, everyday stuff of life that you could hear God's voice and respond. I want you to imagine that kind of church filled with those kinds of people that we become. I want you to imagine a church filled with people who know from the very core of who they are that they are deeply loved by the Father, that he knows them, that he's called their name, that they find their identity not in all the other voices that are clamoring for attention, and they're not uh, planting their identity in places of shame and fear and timidity, but places of strength, of love, of self-discipline and power that God is speaking into our identity. And not only that we know that we're loved, but we also know that we're sent, that he loves us and he calls us his own, and then he says, I want you to go. I'm sending you to love your family and your coworkers and your friends and the people on your street and the people that you pass by that you don't even know, that you are sent, you you are a missionary. You imagine a church filled with missionaries, knowing that they're loved and knowing that they're sent. I want you to imagine a church made up of people who are deeply committed to living in community together, where they are known and where they are loved, where they're free to be vulnerable and safe doing that, but where they're also going to be challenged to not just sit where they are, but to grow into what God has next for them. I want you to imagine a church that is compelled out to love neighbors and coworkers and friends and family. I want you to imagine a church made up of everyday saints. Not a place where you just come and listen to a sage on a stage deliver some fancy words that feed you for the whole week, but a church made up of the saints, a church made up of people who, are, who know who they are and are empowered and equipped for ministry, a church that leans on each other and walks together into what God has for them, but the whole church is empowered. This is the church that I want to become. This is some of the stuff that I think God is already doing in us and has been doing for quite a while. And I want to start to move full steam toward this kind of stuff. Hearing from God and responding. Knowing that we are loved and sent. Living up, in, and out together. And with a mindset of we, the church. That's who I want to become. And all of this is captured, I think, In Jesus' final command, he really gets at it. So final words, final words are significant, right? If you had a chance uh, for one last conversation with people that you loved, you would make it count. 
And in the minutes before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he's already risen from the grave. He spent 40 days with people teaching them and showing them what the kingdom is all about. And in the minutes before he goes back into heaven, three and a half years of sharing life and ministry, his final directions, his final words to his disciples were, make disciples. He wasn't initiating a program. He wasn't just uh, getting them to perform lifeless religious activity. He wasn't just adding another do on a long list of to-dos. Jesus wanted his disciples to pass on what they had received. So his initial invitation to come and see had turned into a follow me. And even then, a fish for men. Like, come, see what I'm all about. Spend time with me. And when you're ready, follow me. And follow me in such a way that you call other people to follow me. Share what you've received. Over the course of these three and a half years that he'd spent with them, Jesus had shared his life with them. He'd given them access to his life. He had taught them. He had shown them the heart of God. And they followed him. And as they did, they began to look more and more like him. They started to imitate him. And they started to grow into his shoes. Literally walking in his footsteps changed who they were. And it changed how they lived. It had transformed them. And now Jesus wanted them to pass that on. Simply put, Jesus made disciples and then told them to make disciples. He says, follow me. Make disciples. Make disciples who make disciples. I've been thinking a lot, especially in the last few weeks, but even all these uh, this past two years, about this, uh, this sentence that came to me in a book. This was the message of the sentence. If you build the church, if you make the church, you sometimes get disciples. But if you build disciples, you will always get the church. That is, if you aim for the many, you'll sometimes grow a few. But if you aim for a few, it ripples and it grows into the many. So build the church and you sometimes get disciples. Build disciples and you always get the church. And that sentence started a conversation in my own heart about what the church is meant to be, who we're called to be. And the conversation went just beyond me and started reaching out. So this, this started when I came to DRC. One of the things that the elders said very specifically is we want you to bring a strategy for discipleship. And I had come across this a few years earlier and hadn't really had an opportunity to really fully dive in. And I thought, what if this is it? What if this is an opportunity to say, let's go all in on discipleship? Not just on being like this holy cluster that uh, shelters ourselves from the world, but when we understand discipleship being an up relationship with God, an in relationship with each other, and an out into the world, and that lacking any, num any one of those pieces, you're not really getting at discipleship yet, or you're not fully living as a disciple yet. What would it look like if we just went all in on discipleship? So I grabbed the team. Tony, uh, at the time, was elder of community, 
kind of leading over community groups and discipleship groups. And Jess and Tracy were deacons of community, leading over discipleship groups. And Justin, as a co-pastor, and the five of us got together to read this book to say, what if, what, what if we did this? Could we try this? What would happen? And as we talked together, our hearts sort of started to burn together to say, yeah, we think we, think we should try this. Except here's the problem. This isn't a strategy. This isn't a plug and play. This isn't a class that you teach, an information that you just give to people and they're like, oh, now I know, now I'm good. This happens in relationships. Discipleship happens in relationships. D Jesus didn't only just preach the Sermon on the Mount and then say, I'm out, right? Jesus spent three and a half years walking with a small number of people and ended up changing the world with that. The 12 expanded in the 72, and they just took off. And Acts is a story of how those people, empowered by the Holy Spirit, set in motion the change of the world, right? It was discipleship. So when we said we got we to move through relationships, and this, is, this was kind of a new concept to me. I've, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I've been helping people walk with Jesus for a long time. But in me, I hadn't really followed in this way quite yet. And recognizing that leaders need to go first, we kind of stepped back from the strategy and implementing this stuff and said, I've got to go get some coaching. I've, I've got to learn how to follow Jesus in this way, using this kind of language. I need to have some people pouring into my life who I can imitate who I can listen to, who I can learn from. And so I jumped into that. It was like two years ago. And then six months later, I grabbed uh, those four people that I had mentioned, Tony and Jess and Tracy and Justin, and added a few more to start a group to say, what would it look like if we just tried this in ex as an experiment? Let's start to walk together. Let's start to follow Jesus together. Let's start to listen for God's voice together and seek to respond. What grows? What grows? And could it be something that we could pass on to the church? And so I'm up here standing today saying, yes. I have loved what has grown in my life and in my heart over the last two years. And I've loved watching in this group that I've been leading over the last year and a half, the stuff that is growing, the way that people have broken and the way people have flourished coming out of this. And it's not just all because of this group. I'd say it's all because of what God is doing in our lives. And this group is helping me do that. Over the next six weeks together, I want to talk about six different elements of discipleship. And we started at the very beginning of talking about a vision series of not just having me come up and explain everything, but having me explain some things and having some different voices explain some things, but then getting first-person stories about stuff that God has been growing. So I want you to hear from me and my heart about stuff that's been growing in me, and I want you to hear from Justin, and I want you to hear from people who have been, we've been walking together with over the course of the last year and a half to say, this isn't just theoretical. We're starting to walk it out. Now, I need to confess to you, I'm not on the mountaintop calling down to come up here because the air is so great. I think I'm a few steps ahead of you on the trail. 
That's where I think I am. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not doing all this stuff perfectly. There's a lot of you who are probably doing a lot of this stuff better than I am. And it's, it's in my own growth that this is happening. And as I lead, I want you to know I'm going to lead honestly. I don't want to pretend I have it all figured out. I don't want to pretend I'm walking it out perfectly. And you should just follow me on this great crusade as we follow Jesus together. What I want to do, though, is say, I've tasted enough to say I want more of this. And I'm going to keep growing. And I've tasted enough to say I want to start living this out together. And I want us to grow. And we're not going to get it all right. And that's not even the point. What if we started walking with Jesus together using some of these things that have been growing up in us? I think, I think it'll be really incredible. So over the next six weeks, I want to share six different elements of discipleship. Today, I want to start at the beginning of following Jesus because I think at the very beginning of following Jesus, it's the idea of to hear God and respond to him to hear what he's calling out to you and to respond to him. People jump into a relationship with Jesus because they've heard his voice and they make a decision to follow. So I want that for my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you, God. And they step into it. Now, this has radically shifted the way that I think about hearing from God. Because I grew up like following Jesus and I grew up I've told some of you this with, I think there were two or three times where I could point to in my life where I would say, I think I heard from God. I think God spoke to me and they were kind of like the heavens open. God's voice booms. He makes it abundantly, overwhelmingly clear. And I don't even know what's going on, but I just know I'm supposed to go in that way. And I've learned in the last two years that that's awesome when God shows up that way. But that's not the only way that God shows up. That's not the only way that God speaks. I was talking to somebody recently who said, I feel like I, re I uh, recognize God's voice in the past. And he actually said this was brilliant, I thought. It's like I can open a photo album and look at pictures of back in my life and say, oh, yeah, that memory. Oh, God's right there. And here's another one. Oh, he's right there. But I can't ever do that in real time. I can look back and see what God was doing but the real-time expression, not, not as much. And I love that because I think that's very, very, very common. And that was true for me. I could look back and see God and hear God. But I have a growing hunger to hear him right now and move forward knowing and uh, in confidence that way. So I want to share a couple of verses that I've been hanging out in the last two years and then share a simple tool. Uh, and I, I want to fly through this because I don't want to hang out just on instruction. A simple tool that helped me and woke me up to what it looks like to hear from God and then respond to him. If you got a Bible, you can open up to Mark 1. We're going to just look at verses 14 and 15. If you don't, we'll throw it up on the screen. Jesus is just starting his ministry. We know that because it's the first chapter of Mark. It's just the beginning, right? So he's just showing up on the scene. He's just starting to have conversations and call people to follow him. Actually, in verses 
uh, 16, 17, 18, he actually says those words, follow me, twice. That's that what's come directly after these couple of verses. In 14 and 15, it says this, Now after G John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I've read that a hundred times before. Like, Jesus is starting his ministry. Repent, stop doing bad things, and believe in the gospel. Believe in Jesus. And I'll just tell you, I was way off in what Jesus was saying. Because he wasn't saying that. He was not saying, stop doing bad things and just believe in me up here. There's a whole lot more going on. So let me unpack this for you. I have 12, a progression of 12 slides that are going to look like one that just keeps growing, okay? So when Jesus shows up and he says, the time is fulfilled. Let's throw that first one up. The time is fulfilled. There are a couple of different words, and I think we've talked about this uh, at least one other time before. But there are a couple of different Greek words for time. One is chronos and one is kairos. Okay? Chronos is like the timeline of your life. It's just sequential time. It's like you're born and then chronos happens and you die. Okay? It's just linear that way and it's always moving. Kairos freezes time and it pulls out a moment and it says something is going on here. Now the word Jesus uses, guess which one it is? When he says the time is fulfilled, he says kairos. He says, something is happening, and I want you to notice it. So as you're going down, now this is what has helped me. As I'm just going on with my life, Jesus shows up and he says, boom, here's a moment. It could be big. It could be little. It could just be getting, me getting frustrated at something. I'm like, what is going on? Here's a Kairos moment. Here's something for you to stop and notice. And then this tool that's real simple has just been called the learning circle because it's as if we stop time and instead of just moving down the continuum of life, we say, what if I took time to learn right now and try and listen to what God is going on? And so we can go to the next slide and see the circle. And then Jesus says in the next slide, he says, repent and believe, right? Repent and believe. Now, I would have thought for most of my life that Jesus screwed up the order. That believe and repent would have been a better order. Like, believe in Jesus, and then he'll fix you, and he'll help you stop doing bad things. And Jesus didn't mess up. He never did, right? He says this stuff on purpose. And my growing understanding of repentance, not just stop doing bad stuff, but repentance means Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Change the way you operate. Change the way you live. There's a change that happens. And when Jesus shows up and he says, repent and believe, he's saying something is going on and I want you to notice it and it's going to change the way you think. And so we walk down that and say, well, what, what does it look like to change? What does it look like to change my mind? What does it look like to, to, 
to be changing in how I live. And it's not just I should. Lots of people say, I noticed this, I noticed this moment. Now I'm going to make a plan for how I'll be different. And they're, they're just short, uh, short-changing, short-circuiting this experience. Jesus says, repent and believe. And believe also isn't just like put your faith in it in your head, affirm the right answers. To believe something is to live it out. To, to trust it so much that you put your trust in it. That you actually actively step forward trusting it, right? So I can say I trust the chair, but I show it by sitting in the chair or standing on the chair, right? So when he says, I want you to repent, I want you to change your mind. When you believe, I want you to do something about it. I want you to respond. And so this first half of the circle is all about hearing from God. What are you saying? What change are you calling out? What do I need to think differently? And the way that we do this is if you go, you can hit one, two, and three, Dave. This has helped me. This has helped me to take the voice of God out of the booming heavens twice in my life and make it the everyday stuff of life. If a Kairos moment hits, if I'm jostled, if something happens, the first thing that I have learned to do now is to just observe. I say, what happened? I got really angry. That's, that's observation. This person did this. I responded this way. It's not emotional. It's factual. It takes note of emotions. This was going on in me. I saw this, and I had this reaction. That's just observation. What happened? And it moves to reflection. Why did it happen? Why did I respond that way? By the way, this circle works best when I do it for me, not when I do it for you. Right? And not when you do it for me. I observe that in him. I reflect on why he did that. And I know now what's going on. Okay? I've learned to do this for me. Observe, reflect, and the disgust part started to make it real. Because not only now am I just walking with Jesus, not only am I just trying to hear from God, but I'm walking with community, with people who know me, with people who can help me, with people who say, nope, 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 that's funky. I don't know what you ate. It's uh, saying something that is not, not what is from God. And people can check me because I can make up really good arguments in my head as to what happened and why it happened, and it's usually somebody else's fault. But in community, people have an opportunity to encourage or to push back and say, I don't even think that's the real issue. I think there's something else going on. And the point of the re- uh, observe, reflect, discuss all leads to this question on the next slide. What do you think you're hearing from God? So just stop. Don't do anything with it. Don't, don't run ahead and just do stuff. Stop. What do you think you're hearing from God? It's a penetrating question because what it does first is it says, I believe that God is speaking. I don't think he does it once in a while. I believe that he's active. And I think he wants me to hear. And I just sit, sit down having observed, reflected, and discussed with people and say, now what do I think God is saying? 
And when I get to a place where I think, I think God is saying this, now I have a chance to respond or to not respond, to pass by and say, I don't want to hear that, or to say, I'll step into that. Then I will step into that. And then you get into the believe side. If I really think that Jesus is saying something in my life, then I'm going to believe it into action. I'm going to walk it out and trust it, trusting that he's really leading me. So uh, the other side, the, the believe side of the circle looks like this. A quick one, two, three. It says plan, account, and act. So lots of people go from observe to plan real quick. I see something, and then I do something about it, right? Slowing down to say, whoa, 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 why? And like talking with community about it. And now saying, what do I think I'm hearing from God? Puts me in a place to say, so how am I going to respond? And then I make a plan. Not just like, oh, I like that. That was really encouraging. It could be that. The plan could be linger in what God is saying to me. Bask in that. That's all I need to do. Rest in God's love. But it's not always rest. Sometimes it's a real specific action. I'm going to make a plan. And then I want you to hold me accountable. I'm sharing it with you so that next week when we get together, you can say, how'd your plan go? I didn't do it. Okay, is that because you just forgot or because you don't actually think you were hearing from God? Because if you think you were hearing from God, maybe it's time to lean in again. Maybe it's just reset and like go for it again. And if you did it, what happened? And you act on it. You make it happen. You go for it. This puts discipleship in an active, dynamic relationship. So God isn't just doing things to me. He's not just growing me, and I'm sitting here involuntarily growing. He's giving me an active place in growing with him. So I listen, and I respond. The stuff that has grown in me over the course of the last two years has been really intense for me. So I remember almost two years ago feeling the immensity of stepping in here at Damascus Road and quite honestly, quite candidly feeling ill-equipped, feeling like I don't know that I'm the leader that they need right now. You may be disappointed to hear that, and I'm okay with that. And I started to process that in this coaching circle that I was in. And so we walked around the circle together. And you know what I heard from God through observation and reflection and discussion? Man, he sent John 15, 16 at me. I wasn't studying it. I didn't know where it was coming from. But he just spoke and he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I was like, oh, well, that makes it different. I didn't just pick out DR and say, I think I want to come here. God said, I'm picking you up and I'm putting you and your family here. That changes it. That changes it. So now I start to walk that out. Instead of feeling inadequate, then I just turn and say, well, God, you know what you're doing then. Then, God, I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm going to just keep stepping in because I didn't choose this. You did. So I'll be your guy. And I'm just going to walk it out. That was a huge moment for me. I've... I've looked over the past two years at the relationship between work and rest, and even in my own life, 
And for the first time in my life, I took like a, a two-day, two-and-a-half-day personal retreat, just a silent retreat where I didn't say a word for two-and-a-half days. And the whole point was on just lingering in the presence of God without distractions. And it was incredible. I took a walk in a thunderstorm that Leslie wasn't pleased about when I came home. She's like, that wasn't smart. And I was like, well, God was with me and whatever. That's super spiritual language. That's kind of dumb. But, and it was, it was really incredible time. I've learned that my identity from God comes before I've accomplished anything. Do you know that? Like that was, that was intense for me. My identity from God comes before I've accomplished anything. So I don't need to accomplish anything for my identity to be intact. I'm learning more and more about how I'm wired and how I'm wired as a leader, how I'm really good at listening, how I'm patient with people, and sometimes I need to learn how to up my challenge and up uh, my intensity. I'm hearing from God that the church isn't a solo endeavor. So I remember coming back from a weekend workshop one time with a plan that I was going to present to the elders. And I'm not kidding you, within 30 seconds of presenting my plan, I could see in your faces, uh, in their faces, that it was not what God was saying. And it was devastating to me. But you know what God did in that process? He said, you don't hear for the church by yourself. You hear for the church with the church. You hear for the church with community. Don't try and go lone wolf on it. Lean in. Bring your best. But then also be humble to, to working with community in how we move forward. And I've learned over the course of uh, two years, real candidly, that I have a fear of hurting people. And that has, that has made me shrink back often and repeatedly. I don't want to hurt people. And, and God is freeing me from fear. He's already freed me from a lot of fear that I, I didn't even recognize was there. And more and more and more and more, I'm able to identify fear and just reject it now. To say, I don't need you in my life. I don't want you in my life. You don't help at all. And I might treat you like a friend and cling to you, but you're not. So go away. And what that has done in my own life is pretty incredible. So I'm really excited about what is growing in me. And I want to invite Justin up and just give him an opportunity to share stuff that has been growing in him. Just one example of, for him, what it has looked like to hear from God and then be put in a place where he has an opportunity to respond. Yeah, thanks, Shannon. So I've been uh, walking with Shannon for the last year and a half, and he's been intentionally discipling me. He's been in my life. We've been meeting weekly and just kind of processing through this circle some things that are happening um, in my life. And uh, one of the things is that 
um, when God speaks, he, can, he wants to speak in the normal kind of everyday stuff. Like Shannon said, it's not this like split the heavens wide open and, you know, it's the super spiritual, super like, whoa, that just thanks for, thanks for redirecting. Sometimes it's just like really pragmatic, really down to earth, really simple stuff. Um, and we can miss it. We can miss it in the day-to-day lives of our lives. And so I just want to share kind of my story of like how I processed with Shannon some stuff that was going on. And so um, one, I'm, I'm a dude and I'm married, um, and <laughs> one of the things that I do is that when I kind of, like, walk through the house, I just kind of, like, do stuff and then leave it, and then do stuff and then leave it, and then my wife um, magically, like, picks it up. I mean, there's, like, this YouTube video of, like, you wouldn't believe it. It's this guy talking to this other guy. He's like, you wouldn't believe it. He's like, there's this magic. He's like, you throw your clothes on the floor. He's like, and you wake up, and the next morning, it's gone. And that's that's kind of, like, how my relationship with Rebecca worked is, like, I would kind of create this storm, and then one day, Rebecca's like, Justin, I am tired of picking up your stuff. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you go from room to room to room. She's like, you're like a tornado. And I'm like, I am? She's like, yes. She's like, you wouldn't believe how much time I spend picking up your stuff. And I'm tired of it. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. And I would go and nothing would change. And then a couple days later, Rebecca again, she's like, I, I, Justin, I'm really tired of picking up your stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll try and pick it up. Now, this thing about not picking up my stuff, guess where that starts from? It goes all the way back to my childhood. Like, my mom would pick up my stuff. My mom was that magic. And so, like, I need to grow up. And so I'm, I go into this, and I'm like, I think God's trying to speak to me about picking up my stuff. And Shannon's like, really? She's like, he's like, you think that you not picking up your stuff, that that's a discipleship issue? I was like, yes. Yes, I do. I do think it is a discipleship issue. I'm like, I don't know why yet, but I think it is. And I think God is trying to speak to me because it was just in this place where, like, Rebecca had said it a couple times, and then I just felt it in my heart. I'm like, there's something here. Like, there's God is trying to speak to me through my wife and through my inability to pick my stuff up, and I need to stop and listen. And I need to figure out what that is. And I wanted to do the thing that we all want to do is we want to stop and just, like, observe and then act. And so I was like, all right, problem, I leave my stuff out. Solution, pick it up, right? I mean, it's that simple. But it's not that simple because this has been my life. Like, I have tried and I have tried and I have tried to pick up my stuff. This isn't the first time that I've been confronted with this problem in my life. And it probably won't be the last time. And so I'm just like, why is it that I cannot pick up my stuff? And so I go into reflecting, and I'm reflecting, and I'm like, well, maybe, I'm like, you know, this is where the enemy tried to, to come in. And he's like, maybe you don't respect your wife. I was like, maybe. I was like, but I do. I do respect my wife. And so I went into discussion, and I, I started talking to in community. I'm like, so I've got this thing where I leave stuff around. You know, I'm a tornado. I'm like, I'm trying to discern, like, is it that I don't respect my wife? Like, I want to be able to just go and, like, pick the stuff up, but I've never been able to be able to do that. What, What's going on? And they're like, well, I don't think that it's that you don't respect your wife. And I was like, okay. I'm like, well, what is it? They're like, I don't know. What's, what's God saying to you? And so we had, like, just a moment of silence, a moment of prayer, where we were like, just trying to, like, lean into this and figure out what, what's really going on. What's really going on? And God revealed to me that it was that I was not being present. I was not being present in my house. I was always moving on to the next thing. 
The way that my brain is wired, it is wired towards the future. It's wired towards what's next. And so when I'm doing something right now, I'm already thinking about what is next. And so what would happen in my home is that I would eat my lunch or eat my dinner and then already be on to what was next. And then I would do that thing and I'd be on to what is next. And I would leave this path of tornado behind me. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, you know what God's calling me to do? He's calling me to be present. And that changes the plan. Like, because before it was just like, well, I leave my stuff around, I need to pick it up, I should just pick it up. And we've failed at that plan for an entire lifetime. And so there had to be something else there. And so here, God is like giving me the keys, like, be present where you are. Because the reality is that had I known that I was leaving my stuff out, I would have picked it up. That's what I would have done. I just didn't know that I was leaving it out. And God's like, if you were present in that moment, then you would pick your stuff up. And so the plan is be present, and the way the plan is worked out is pick up your stuff. Same solution, but way, way more effective now because it's about being present, not about picking up my stuff. And so God's like, I want you to be present where you are. He's like, I want you to stop thinking about the future. I want you to stop thinking about the what-ifs in life and the what-could-bes in life, and I want you to stand in the beautiful, broken rawness of what is the present right here right now i want you to be here he's like i want you to be here for your family i want you to be here for the people that you minister to he's like i want you to be here for the things that i want to bless you with right here right now and if you don't you're just gonna miss it like all the stuff that you're leaving behind he's like and most of all what i want you to grow in is becoming present to me I want you to be present to me. I want you to be present to my voice, present to my love, and stop trying to run ahead of all that. I was like, whoa. Okay, God. And so in that group and with Shannon, I was like, all right, guys, so I need some accountability. The accountability is I'm going to pick up my stuff. You can ask me next week, did you pick up your stuff? Because the picking up my stuff isn't about picking up the stuff anymore, but in asking if I picked up my stuff, they would ask, were you present? Were you present? And so that's how that simple thing has brought incredible change to my life, incredible change to my household's life and the life around me. And, like, there's still plenty of times where I find myself getting ahead. But, man, when I walk and it's an hour later and I still see my plate on the table, or Rebecca kindly reminds me that my plate's still on the table, and she's like, can you pick that up? We both now know that it's an exercise in being present, and I can go back and be like, man, I wasn't present in that moment. Am I, get, am, I, am I starting to go back to my old habits and my old ways? And it's just a time of check and say, God, allow me to be present where I am. Allow me to be here and allow me to enjoy here and all that you have for me right here and right now. And that's just a one quick, simple way that God has begun to bring real transformation to my life and hopefully the people that I'm around because while I'm meeting with you, I'm not thinking about what's next. I'm trying to be with you and near you and to celebrate all that God's doing there. So that's kind of my story of the circle and what God's been doing. There's been a whole bunch more stories that I can share about what God's been doing, but that's just one like really simple way about how we can begin to hear from God and how it can bring real change to your household like right now. All right? So who knows what God's saying to you this morning, but I hope that we're listening. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. It's just in the normal stuff. So some of you guys... Some of you this morning could say, I hear from God all the time. I have no problem hearing God's voice. He's constantly speaking to me, and I trust the Holy Spirit, and I just move with it. And, and if that's you, then I want to celebrate that. I love that for you. I just want it to be normal. I just want it to be common. 
normal as in for all of us. Because I don't think it's God's agenda to speak to a few of us. I think God's plan is to speak to each one of us and then to do it in community. So over the course of the next six weeks, I want to keep telling stories about how we're hearing from God and responding to it in a number of different ways. And I want you to start paying attention. I want you to start leaning in and saying, God, are you speaking? What do you want me to hear? And you can start doing this just by using this tool. The deal with this tool is you can't do it by yourself unless you're really good at having monologue discussions, right? You can't do it by yourself. So grab somebody close to you and say, hey, I, I need to process something with you. I need to reflect on something. I want, I want to talk about something and see if the voice of God starts to get clearer in your life. What do I think I'm hearing? Now, I'll, I will tell you, this, for me, this was growth. It didn't start like one day I'm not hearing from God and the next day it's like, boom, now it's all the time and I can't get him to go away. Okay? It starts slow. So if, if it feels awkward to you, I think that's normal. If you're like, I don't know, then just lean into that. Just trust that as you engage and as you start to listen actively to God, he's going to be with you. He's going to walk with you through it. I want more and more and more efforts in our church to go toward uh, hearing and responding. So we're going to go back into worship. I want, we're going to do the first song is just going to be a response song. So if the worship team is here, you guys can come up. This is a response song. So I'm going to give you permission. If you feel like standing for the song, do it. If you feel like sitting for the song, do it. If you feel like kneeling for the song, do it. If you feel like coming and lying on your face up front, feel free to do that. Okay. This is a time for us to be quiet and to just listen and give God permission to speak into our lives and say, here I am like I'm yours. And we're going to move from this response song. Uh, we have a fun celebration today, a sobriety coin that we, I get to give to celebrate uh, freedom after addiction. And we're going to do that, and then we're going to turn into worship and finish the morning with communion and worship. So however you want to receive this next song, you have permission to do so.